0: Thank you, thank you gentlemen and done coming Hey guys, don't go anywhere, real quick let me promote something and please take a second and set your DVRs to Bert the Conqueror on Travel Channel airing every Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, 7 central it is my show, this podcast is totally free you didn't have to pay for anything and you don't have to pay for my TV show but please allow me the opportunity to promote it Uh, Its premiere date is June 7th. That is this Tuesday. Maybe tonight for you. Maybe yesterday. Maybe tomorrow. But check it out. I know you're going to love it. I'm very proud of it. It is funny. It is enjoyable. And if nothing, it provides an amazing bucket list of cool things to do with your family this summer all around the country. Uh, Tonight's episode is the Greasy Bowl in Gloucester, Massachusetts and the Cheese Wheeling Festival in British Columbia. We've got great episodes coming up. We've got Ohio, Colorado, Jersey, Kentucky, Whistler, Massachusetts, uh, West Coast, Texas, Florida, the Midwest, the Heartland episodes, New Rides, and Michigan, and Universal Orlando. So check it out. Uh, And that's it. See, that wasn't that bad. Was it? For tour dates, go to BertBertBert.com. I will real quick run through some dates. Uh, This weekend, I'm at uh, the Schomburg Improv check it out. Uh, I'm there the 10th, 11th, and 12th of June. Flappers Burbank the next weekend. Orlando Improv the 24th through 26th. Columbus Funny Bone July 8th and 9th. Then on to Syracuse. Stand Up Live in Phoenix uh, or Scottsdale or Tempe, wherever the fuck you want to call that. Uh, Kansas City Improv, Toledo, Albany, Houston Improv, you name it. I'm there. All right guys, today's a big podcast for me. I'm such a huge fan of this guy. I first saw him with my wife in the Arclight at uh, at the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. And he changed the way I looked at stand-up. And and it's a big testament, man. This guy's fucking hilarious. His tater-salad story might be the best story ever told in stand-up. He's got a new show airing on Showtime uh, that Cameron Crowe created, and it's called Roadies. It airs June 26th, if I'm not mistaken. Let me check that again. Yeah, let's just say June 26th. Type in roadies, put it in your D V R wish list. Ladies and gentlemen, Ron White. This is I heard uh my, I have a bull master who's had uh five surgeries on her knees.
1: <laughs> You're a lost dog lover <laughs> like we are. Fuck.
0: So uh yeah, there you go. That's just it. Awesome. It's a pleasure to meet you, man. Nice to meet you. Uh Bye. do you need some time to get settled? Are you good? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, let me let me put her down. Okay. <laughs> can she get up and down the stairs? Uh, you know she can, uh, but we don't really we carry her. Yeah. Uh, up and down the
0: stairs. One slip and it's another hospital bill.
1: Yeah, you know she's just not very good. She's really good at going upstairs because she, her hind legs are fine, but going downstairs she's got that all that weight on one foot. Yeah. And our, she takes some tumbles. Our bull mastiffs.
0: All the surgeries were on the back two legs, and the right leg is just still holding on. Like, it's just, you can see she's using it, but not when she gets up, it's all front legs, like getting out of a pool. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, I'm, I got to be honest with you, I'm, this is uh, a big deal for me. I, I, I'm assuming you know absolutely nothing about me. No, no, nope. I don't. I know. I, yeah, I, I figured. Don't. Uh, I, uh, I'm a comedian. I've been doing comedy for about 17 years. Okay. Do the road. Uh, was a New York comic. Uh started New York, moved out to LA, got on television pretty quickly, money ran out, and I started doing the road. And uh but it always had that New York sensibility of like almost an arrogance. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Perfect sense. <laughs> so my wife is from the South, and my wife said uh when the blue collar comedy tour came out, she's like, You gotta go see this. We lived in LA at the time. And I was like, I don't know, just real cocky, like I I know Bill Engvall. I know Jeff Foxworthy. I'm, I got it. And I sat in that theater in at the Arclight with my wife. And I watched it and I giggled throughout it. And when you came and told the Tater Salad story, it changed my perspective of comedy forever. Really? I like literally, I mean, I've talked to this, talked to a lot of people about this. Um, but literally I went, that Like, I I mean, when I met you on that movie, it changed. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? This guy's fucking fascinating. Like, it was like, and so then I go on the road. I'm in, I'm doing the road, all the same rooms you did coming Uh up. And I go to a room, I get to the Columbus Funny Bone and I'm like there that weekend and I'm fucking all I'm talking about is you. I'm like does anyone know who Ron White is? The bartender, I think it was a chick was like, "You talking about tater salad?" I go, "Have you heard the story?" She goes, "Are you talking about Ron, right?" <laughs> yeah. I go, "Yeah." She goes, "Yeah, we we know Ron." Yeah, <laughs> they do. And you and and I started to do the road and I realized that like your path in comedy was one that kind of that I looked at and I almost
1: admired because it was a, st- a real honest road dog. Yeah, well, I didn't know there was another way. You know, I, I didn't went like I chose saw two paths and picked one of them. <laughs> you know, I I didn't know there was another way. I, you know, I never you know had exposure to New York or here. So what I the l- lucky thing about my career is I started at a funny bone and there were a lot of funny bones. Yeah, And there there were four of them in Dallas. So, you know, I got a lot of stage time. And so, you know, that's and I also considered myself a huge success when I was, you know, I never thought I'd get to that. I thought, I mean, that was the coolest job ever where I did it for 16 years, a headline of comedy clubs. And and, uh, I figured that was as high as I would go. And I saw even though it happened to Jeff, I didn't think it would ever happen to me because I just don't. Those kind of things don't happen to me, and then uh, I just never saw it coming, and never, never did. I, I knew I was a pretty good comic, but but really, all this, <laughs> it's
0: crazy. I, I, I was actually thinking that when I was sitting up top. I was looking out, and I was overlooking, and I thought, because I know what it's like to be on the road, and you do too, and, and and I feel like I wanted to run through names of like guys like that you must have partied with at some point, like Jay Medicine Hat, yeah. Or like, or like guys who live we on the We call him J.
1: Medicine Chest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's a fa- – he, there's the thing about the road when you come out from L.A. is you have an arrogance about you of like I'm out here doing the road but my real job is in L.A. And then there are guys who live on the road who go, no, no, this is my job. This is what I do for a
1: living. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even know you could do stand-up and make a living – in one town, I mean, I didn't. I know, I know some guys in Boston did, and I knew some guys in New York. Vic Henley moved out there a long time ago and stayed there with his stupid Alabama accent, and, <laughs> and I love him to death. He's a dear yeah. friend of mine. Uh, but I, I thought it's what everybody did.
0: Yeah, and and then and then I, I'm sitting up top and I'm overlooking the city, and I thought, I, I honestly thought, how often how often do you say to yourself? Cause as a guy, as a guy who's on the road, I was looking in this mirror right there and I was looking out and I just looked at myself and I was like, oh, I'll probably ne- never end up in a house like
1: this. Like but that. That's an honest thought. I'll tell you something. I said one time it was a blue collar just started. Jeff was building a castle in uh, not a, castle, a huge house. Yeah. 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 Huge, big as a college. And, uh, he feels silly about it now. And, uh, but it was huge. And he was just he was building it. And uh I was with Dan Whitney and we were walking through it and uh and I said to him, I said, This is as unobtainable as the fucking moon, dude. And he goes, No, it isn't. Hey, we're on a blue collar comedy tour. You're by, we're both great comics. Hell something, you know, he fucking yeah. he always believed that he you know, that uh that he would be a huge success, and uh, you know, now he works for Prologisec. So, you know,
0: I I uh, I can't even
1: imagine what they pay him.
0: One of the people I, I obsess about with you about you is uh, Colleen Quinn out in Omaha. Yeah, and she she lo- I mean she loves you to death, but like it's I I was just like because I, honestly I, at the time I think I was just telling jokes like just doing one like the best joke writing I could do and maybe some a little bit of longer story, story form. And I heard that Tater Salad story, and I went, holy fuck, that story is the perfect story. It's the, it's, it might be the best story told in comedy.
1: I haven't done it in 12 years. Maybe I'll start doing it again. When did you, <laughs> when did you stop doing it? I quit doing it as soon as I could, because it's an eight-minute-long bit. That album sold four million copies, and f- probably 80 million people saw it, and, but, but they owned it. Yeah, forty four million people owned it, and then uh, so when they own a comedy album, they just watch the hell out of it, you know. Yeah. And then they know it. I literally before I I was already selling out theaters, but I had some comedy club dates left that I honored every one of them, and every one of them none of none of them bonus me. I, I sold out every fucking ticket Tell they me had. How, what was your price? How much every one of them fucked me? Like probably the- three grand or two grand or whatever, oh, you know, because Blue Collar was over, and I you know, and the uh, the DVD kind of went was only in theaters for about a minute. And so, and then it went straight to DVD almost. And, uh, I'm like, Oh, it didn't happen. And I had, a, I was in here. I had a development deal with Fox and I, so it looked like I got a movie coming out in theaters. I like am driving, I'm living in century city and driving a BMW on fucking Fox's nickel. And then, and, and all of a sudden they don't pick that up and that goes straight to DVD. And I'm like, there was my chance. And so, uh, are you serious? I'm back in clubs, this club comic. And, um, uh, but I walk on stage at, in uh, Dayton, Ohio, at Lisa Briggsby's Grigs, Club. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. The Wiley's. Uh,
0: Is it Wiley's? No, Wiley's it's the either Wiley's one. or Dayton. Wiley's and the Funny Bone were the two clubs. In Dayton? In Dayton, yeah. Doc ran one after, after a while, but I think... I know who you're talking about. I've, I think I've heard you talk about, tell this story. I keep going, though, because it's jarring my memory.
1: Did what? you not like the woman? No, it it wasn't. It wasn't about that. It was about I just started that bit, and then some people up front started doing it with me. Then the whole room did it word for word. Eight minutes and forty nine seconds that bit was, and they knew it, and it made me fucking cry. Cry? Yeah, I mean, we just made a fucking tear come out of my eye. Just like that, they would fucking know this bit so fucking well. I mean, it's just it was just. I, I couldn't get my arms around it. Yeah. Why that? Why something that I did mattered at all to anybody? That's
0: insane. That's truly insane. So, so when after the movie, the movie was in theaters just for a second. Yeah, real quick. and then the DVD, obviously, with that with that demographic, the DVD is going to go like fucking crazy. Yeah, you put it in Walmart, and then that is
1: dialed in. Yeah. Oh, it's it was gigantic, the so, biggest selling comedy album of all time.
0: And you're not, and and you had had a falling out with your manager at the time, James Williams. Yeah, yeah. Who said something that I that I you I heard you sell this on. Like I said, I'm a comic. I I'm a headlining comic. I have two TV shows. However, I'm a massive fan of yours, so I, I know things that you said in the past. But he said something to you in a green room that fucking cut you to the core, and you were like,
1: "Fuck you, we're done." Wasn't in a green room. It was in a a hotel bar, and we just shot Hotel uh, Blue Collar 2 in Denver, and it was in the can. Uh, uh, It was, you know, we're finished and uh, ready to leave town. We're all, everybody's in a good mood. It was, you know, the rap party, and... And he had always needled the f- fuck out of me, but I needed the job. And, uh, and, but I never liked him. And Jeff had done business with him forever and Bill too and Dan too. So all four of us were with him. And, uh, and, uh, but he gets drunk and I'm drunk and, uh, he goes, you know what, motherfucker, you're nothing but a overpriced fucking opening act. Well, now I'm a multimillionaire is what I am. So. <laughs> and uh so that kind of turned into a big fuck you shoving match and and got really ugly and and he wasn't really my manager he was i was his partner's client john mcdonald yeah and uh but he fired me he dropped me he said you're dropped from my fucking roster and i'm like i bet it'll take me 40 minutes to find somebody to replace your fucking stupid ass with but john mcdonald didn't realize he just lost a client that that pays a million dollars a year. Everyone yeah. waits for that. Everyone waits for that one client that can
0: really generate income where they start to being able to hire their, 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 their nieces as assistants. And right. he's going to need an editor. He's got a, a tour. He needs a publicist.
1: And it, it was, it was ugly, but I got a lot, probably way too much. Fuck you and me to, to just about yeah, but, anybody. But
0: how many times have you, how many times have you burned the bridge and woke up the next morning and realized I need that bridge later? Because I'm imagining
1: that in your past, I just, I mean, you know, I was just so convinced that he was the biggest asshole. Yeah. He, t- he told the president of ABC, and this is, and he will tell you, he said this himself. I saw it in a magazine, but I know he said, and we said it. He said, I hope your children die of ass cancer. So that's what—just a jerk, just yeah. a total jerk, and an egomaniac is. And Jeff fired him, and Dan fired him. Bill's still with him, but
0: <laughs> but it's got to feel good for to. It's got to feel good, and I just I connect with being on the road and being the guy that has to get up early for press, and no one gives a fuck about. You're just getting free drinks. You're sometimes staying in the condo, and you're pissed off you're not a hotel. To be at a place finally in your career where someone. Who has had this false power over you? Says something. You go. You know what? I'm going to walk the gasoline to the bridge, and I don't give a fuck because I don't need this. And and that's and and I'm only saying that I'm sure you've been a guy that has probably ha- been in a precarious next morning situation, and this isn't one. And as a guy who doesn't have the opportunity to tell anyone to get to go fuck themselves
1: yet, right? Like it's got to feel good. Yeah, it did, and 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 uh, but also to be validated. By years later, because I wasn't the only one telling Jeff, "Why do you work for this piece of shit?" Jeff is the best guy ever. I've heard that. I mean, he's just a sweetheart of a man. He's just a genuinely good guy. He's a good father. He's a good husband. Uh, he goes to church. He's you know he's he's just he's true to his nature. That's who he is on stage. Yeah. So that's what you should do. And uh, but why he was with this slime fucking ball for all these years, I have no idea, man. Yeah, I just want a douche. But uh, but whenever he dropped him, I was like, you know, even though it was years later, I'm like, <laughs> I tried to fucking tell you years ago, dude, that this guy's a piece of shit. And, and also, his brother it, hated him. And it, and there, even his brother lived right next door to each other. He built his brother's house before he built his house. Really? And then, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but it 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 took a while. No, is this is this before you moved to New Mexico or Mexico? Mexico. Is this before Mexico? Yeah, regular Mexico. Yeah, it's before blue collar that I moved there.
0: I was in a deal, <laughs> I think maybe at FX. I was out on the Fox lot, and I was and like I said, I was going through a phase where I was like, it, you were changing the scope of the way I was about to do comedy, and I was like, and I said something, I like, yeah, we we've got a sitcom with Ron. I think you also had a variety show you were doing. And they're like, but he's in fucking Mexico making pottery. And in my head, I was like, motherfucker. I was like, this guy keeps paving a path that I will emulate one day. I was like, fuck off to everyone. Take off to Mexico.
1: Yeah. Well, that, then I did. Uh, <clears throat> the, the, the Funny Bone chain uh, kind of figured out that I did. I was doing 42 weeks a year for them. And they've. Figured out that I needed those forty-two weeks, and they could pay me a lot less, and and I didn't have forty-two weeks to fill it back up with. Uh, know, but which I mean, was, I've been in that situation, which was true. I bet I almost bet I've had the same conversation with the same people you've had. I would imagine that they were close, but I, I was making eighteen hundred in air, which is pretty good headliner money for clubs, and and they reduced it to fifteen flat. And I just told him. Well, to yours go. is. yeah, because I I got that phone call. We, I,
0: you get the phone call thinking that you are going to get bumped up five hundred bucks, and they they bring it back down. It's been rough, uh, yeah, I've I've had that phone call. Right.
1: Well, I told him to go eat a steaming bowl of fuck, and my girlfriend <laughs> was uh, making pottery, a, a mosaic tile application <laughs> to pottery, and uh, and she would sell it at these art shows, and it would sell like just right away. I mean, when the first hour, she'd sell all her stuff. And, uh, but it took her six months to make 12 pieces of it. Yeah. So I just said, fuck it. Why don't we just go to Mexico? We'll hire a bunch of women. You train them how to do this and you can like, orchestrate it. Next day I got my van, which, uh, is what I, what I toured in, uh, the, the biggest truck rider makes and the biggest trailer tire rider makes behind my car. Mm-hmm. And, uh. I moved to Reynosa, Mexico, which is one of the most dangerous towns in the world now. But back then, it was pretty sleepy, and uh, I moved into this little bitty village, uh, little uh, colonia or whatever, and uh, right across from the refinery called Colonia Petrolera, and uh, uh, this little house that I loved, and uh, I I'm right across the street from a church and the best tacos I ever put in my mouth is stand. They've opened it at night and just sit out there and, and drink really, really cold Coronitas and drink, eat tacos. And, and the, and the women, I mean, I married a Mexican woman, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> Margo. And, uh, so I, uh, you know, I, I loved it down there and it was really peaceful. And then I, I would fly out and open for Jeff on the weekend. So, uh, so I didn't, I didn't have to do clubs and, uh, so he, and he kind of made sure of that. That's
0: you know, fantastic.
1: But, and uh, yeah. Yeah. I only owe him everything, you know, he seems like I'm not pretty... going to but <laughs> <laughs> he's an interesting
0: guy. I think all of them, it was so funny. I, I mean, I can be honest on, but like, I remember watching the movie and watching Bill's act and being like, eh, you know, a little probably out of all of them, the most lukewarm for me. Man, if I haven't written four or five Bill Engvall jokes as I've had daughters that are growing, and I go motherfucker, right. like oh shit, like I'm just like I just was young and arrogant. I didn't realize like that he's got a joke
1: about getting his daughter's panties. Right, right, right. <laughs> I was
0: like I
1: wrote that the other right, day. I, right, right. It's it's so crazy. Yeah, uh, Bill is actually. You know, when he was in the clubs, he was unfucking followable. Really, uh, easily the best club comic alive. Better than Jeff uh, would could just take a crowd, no matter what had gone on before him, in one second they forgot about them. But back then, he was doing shots at tequila on stage. He was doing blue stuff, and then that J.P. Williams guy that he's still with. Kind of Foxworthy lighted him up, you know, and said, no, you have to do it this way. You got to be clean. And and uh, then they tried to do that to me. And I'm like, well, fuck you. I'm not clean. I'm This is me. I've got to be me. I, my show was we had to leave. Jeff and I had to look at my whole fucking body of work to find 10 minutes to do on Blue Collar One. Yeah. And uh, so and I would never work dirty on that show because that was Jeff's show. And I would never, you know, I worked clean in front of him. So I knew we had some, you know, he knew we had some stuff. But um you know the it, he's a he's also a, a great guy and, and somebody I just love to spend time with. He's such a great hang. Do you get to hang out with any of those guys anymore? No. No. I'm you know, I'm uh, I'm still doing 110 cities a year uh and shooting a series for Showtime.
0: Yeah, I heard uh Roadies. Yeah. I just saw the trailer this morning on Showtime and it looks fucking fantastic. It is. It looks red. It's Cameron Crowe. Yeah, 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 yeah. J. J.J. Abrams
1: is. Does that uh, does that does is, that does that blow you away a little bit? I mean, is there that one did? They, I tell you, the fucking the reason I am an emotional wreck. Uh, but my, my my road manager, who had been my best friend for fifty one years, we uh, grew up with each other since we were six, was dying in uh, at Cedars, cancer, and uh, when I got the call to read for the part of a road manager. And I left his hospital room and went straight to Cameron's office. And I opened my mouth and I sobbed for 20 minutes and uncontrollable and got up and left. And I was like, well, that didn't go very well. I don't (laughs) think that's probably not what they're looking for. And uh, so I never really gave it another thought. And Steve passed and Cameron called back and he goes, "Hey, well, let's take another look at this. I mean, he certainly understood. Yeah. I mean, he knew what was going on. And uh, so and I was still a wreck about it then and I'm still a wreck about it now. Yeah. So but it makes me a better actor, you know. <laughs> How uh when
0: did when did you guys start when did he start working with you as a as your tour manager? 12 years before he died. 12 years before he died and you were touring pretty aggressively, I'm imagining.
1: Uh 150 cities a year. So we were doing four and five cities a week. Was this the guy
0: that like I mean I, there's things in did I imagine in your career that I don't know if it happened? But I'm saying, guessing he grew up with you at six. Was he the guy that like got to pull you aside for the first time? and Go, hey, we can afford a jet. Like,
1: no, no, I I, I did that on my own. When I, when I first started making a lot of money, it it came so huge and so fast that I And, and I I come from nothing, nothing, a, a little seven hundred people dirt town, and. Yeah. Texas. The street my house is on st- that was on still has it's still made out of dirt. The whole town's made out of dirt. It's a dirt town. Uh and everybody there was poor. And uh we moved to a suburb of Houston dead in the refineries that stunk every day. And and uh so all of a sudden I'm like I'm looking at these numbers going, What? This is what Okay, that's mine. That's mine. All these are mine. These really? are mine over here. I want that car. Give me that plane right over there. I'll take that <laughs> tour bus. Give me that. That's mine also. Just bring it over here. It was all mine. In my eye, I just had to decide which one, what to bring to the house, you know? And that, so, yeah. and, and fame and fortune is a weird animal. I mean, it, it, you have to figure it out, uh, because, you know, now chicks are going nuts when I walk around and, uh, you know, that, but age and weight has helped that. I, so <laughs> the, uh, and you know, and then, then I can do whatever I want, you know? Uh, so I, you know, that was a, that was a learning process, a real learning, a learning process. We was- we both paint our toes. I matter black, actually, they're not painted right now, but normally oh, yeah. they're always black. Yeah. My daughter's. My oh, daughter's uh I have mine done, so that's some we stay do in a, touch.
0: We do a trip to like Maui. So usually somewhere in Hawaii or maybe like uh over the to the Bahamas and uh we get our toes done before I go. So a little, you know reminds it reminds me of my sexuality. Yeah. <laughs> so so what was the first big purchase you made? That what was the first thing that you did that you're like, I want that, I'm getting it?
1: uh bought a house and uh on a on a great golf course that's what i always wanted i there hey, or i don't even know if i even wanted it or even considered it but i always would see these guys playing these p- private courses i'm like how the fuck do they have enough money yeah to do that even a shitty private course you know cuz i played low i've played golf my whole life but i played the shittiest course there was, yeah. uh, which was owned by a refinery. My dad worked for the, the guy that ran the fi- refinery was a golfer. He built this shitty still to this day. the worst course I've ever seen, <laughs> Yeah, but I got dropped off there every day. And, yeah. uh, and I had no idea it was the worst course ever it, until later in life when I was on the golf team in high school. And, and, uh, just wants a little love. I think, yeah, she is, um, uh, But I would just, you know, I was like, man, I just don't see how anybody swings it, you know, to to do that. And then
0: first uh, time you play a real good sand trap, you're like, oh, shit, I'm supposed to hit into the sand. It's not just cement.
1: Yeah, it's it was it was. So anyway, that's what I did. I bought this ridiculously big house on a ridiculously great golf course in Georgia. Really? And uh, I still own it. It's still there. uh, (laughs) I I wish I didn't. But it's uh, I'm I'm probably going to sell it this summer.
0: My uh my parents used to my mom used to drop me off at a golf course every morning. Like in uh down in Florida, Babe's a Harris golf course. Yeah. And yeah, and uh that was our how your summer spent. You played play
1: thirty six holes. Do you still play? Yeah. I could I'm a very good golfer. <laughs> you are? Yeah.
0: I grew I grew up playing golf.
1: Yeah. I haven't played We're playing this afternoon. You wanna go? I can't.
0: I gotta take my kids out to dinner tonight. I'm on the road a lot, and then so, Ah! yeah, I'd love to play golf. I absolutely love to play golf with you. Well, we'll do it someday. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, I'm the kind of golfer that I won't play for a year, and I'll pick up, and I'll shoot bogey bogey golf without playing in a year. Yeah, that's great. Um, And my dad golfs a lot, so he's always buying clubs and sending them out. "Ah, I've got the new pings. Get rid of those old ones. What do you play? What clubs?
1: Uh, Well, TaylorMade gives me clubs. Oh, that's got to be uh, nice. So uh, I just got the new M2s uh last week the, the in uh but i still play ping uh i'm big bertha driver. drivers till the day i die oh big bertha john daly john daly
0: was like john daly is the same I, i've always liked the the mickey mantle type hero you know oh, yeah. The, and like the john daly john daly i remember hearing a story that he got off with three million dollars to go to rehab and he was like give me like a week and they were like, no, it starts right now. And he goes, I'm going to have to pass. And I just yeah. was like, fuck.
1: That's him. Yeah. You know, he's a he's a, he's a buddy of mine, too. We were just hanging really? out at the Masters. Yeah, I parked my bus next to his bus. He sells, you know, his merch there. And uh, so I I go down there and hang out with him every year. And, and uh, he he, this is, he just joined the, you know, senior tour. He just turned 50 the other day. Did he really? Yeah. Isn't that weird? Do you go
0: out and play the celebrity golf tournaments?
1: Yeah. Sometimes Dude, no. and I'm going to go do a bunch of uh, a bunch up with him, do some pro-ams with him, and uh, which will be a blast. And the, and the fans will love it because they love John. I mean, John oh, moves God. the you and, needle. You and
0: John are the two more of the more approachable celebrities that I could imagine. I was at I was at TPC in '97, and and I, I I don't think he was playing. It was the year. Want to say Freddie Couples when he had Freddie Couples had the hole in one uh, on on seventeen. He didn't have a hole in one. He had a he, he uh, holed out for a three. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. yes. Oh, fuck. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and we would sit by the 17th green and just drink and gamble on closest to the pen. Right. And uh, we went out that weekend and John Daly was partying at a bar. And I was like, I was like, holy shit. Like, this is the craziest thing I've ever fucking seen.
1: Oh, it was like, I just want to get near him. All right. But, uh, but yeah. Well, he was sober for five years and he he called me one night, just slosh drunk. And I'm like, when did you start drinking, Johnny? He goes, you know what? Fuck it, Ron. We got to drink. I've been, every time I see you, I'm like, I want to just drink with Ron White. That's all I want to do. Well, let's go drinking. I'm like, well, where are you? He goes, well, I'm on the other side of the country. Well, we'll get together. I'll see you at the Masters. We'll drink. And, so, and boy, did we. Did you? Yeah.
0: Now, how, how, Like, I'm a, I'm a big drinker as well. Let me give you a real quick story on me so you have a kind of a, a frame of reference. Sure. In '97, Rolling Stone magazine, 1997 Rolling Stone magazine, literally the Monday after the TBC discovered me and called me the number one party animal in the country. Oliver Stone optioned the rights to my life. I moved to New York, start doing stand up. Will Smith discovered me. Uh, and I have a very famous story that, that had, I had never heard you tell tater salad. I don't know if I'd ever have had the balls to tell where I got involved with the Russian mafia when I was a kid and we robbed a train. And that's probably why I'm anyone knows why I am mostly. Yeah. So, so, uh, but, but I'm a big drinker. I've always been a big drinker. And you're one of the guys that I saw with a drink on stage that was unapologetic. You want to tell, maybe the only two guys I've ever seen that are unapologetic, big drinkers. Well, you quit. Yeah, well, yeah, right. <laughs> but you're no, still was just me and Stanhope. <laughs> uh, I was at Stanhope's house. Uh, like Stanhope and I are friends, so I oh, yeah? yeah, yeah. So I called him up. I said I want to hang out. He was like, "Come down to Bisbee, I'll pick you up at Tucson. We'll party for the night. I'll get you home the next day to see your kids." So I was like, "Fuck it, I got money." so i flew in he
1: was
0: here last night is he in town right now yeah. shut up
1: yeah he's in town uh editing this thing that he did uh with johnny depp with johnny depp yeah
0: yeah yeah i uh i St- stan hope is sending me a, b- a big white dildo for my kids silent auction if you uh oh grab the mic they i might be here yeah <laughs> oh yeah sorry
1: yeah <clears throat> uh stan hope, uh and I worked together, back, middle for me, in Oklahoma uh, in, I don't know, maybe 91 or 92 or something yeah. like that. And we had a opening act. It was a girl from Houston, big girl, and a horrible comedian. But she brought cakes and stuff to the staff, and she just sucked up to everybody, and they gave her opening work. And we just tortured that poor girl all week <laughs> long. And I don't know if she quit comedy, or, but <laughs> we would just come back in drunk, and oh, I feel so... I feel sorry for it. it, and I kind of forgotten about it. in Stanhope last night, uh, <laughs> he, he he does a pretty good Ron White. He, he was saying something that I said to her, and I'm like, "Oh, I didn't say that." Are yet. you gonna uh, break me off a piece of that pussy? Yeah, that's what it was. It was uh, <laughs> I've heard him tell I'm that. How about turning loose to somebody else's <laughs> oh, pussy? That's what it was. Uh,
0: yeah, I think I think Stan Hope's fantastic. I've, I've 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 picked his brain f- about stories
1: about you. Have you read his uh, book? I'm in the middle of it right now. Oh, it's fucking fantastic! All I've read is the first two chapters because that's all I could get on my iPad.
0: Oh, the first two chapters is he murders his mom, or his mom, his mom. <laughs> right? He helps his mom. Whatever, what, yourself, yeah, whatever. Right. And it's fucking, and then the next chapter starts with, uh I don't have a lot of memories when I was a kid, but I do have a distinct memory of my mom jacking off a dog.
1: And right. you're like,
0: motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great, it's a
1: fantastic book. Yeah, you don't, you really don't understand honesty until Doug, till Doug tells you what it is. I mean, but then he would even, then he would even be completely honest about the things that happened in his life. I mean, I'm like, going to leave that one out, I mean, you know? Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't leave anything out and he, he's a, he's, that's why he's such a, you know, such a treasure, you know? And, and I'm not the only person that thinks so. And you're not the only person that thinks so. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, Johnny Depp wrote the forward in his book and, uh, ended it with, I don't like this man. I love this man. Yeah. And, uh, And I told him if I would have written the forward in the book, it would have been shorter and funnier and easier to read. Because that was like one unpactuated sentence. It was like two paragraphs long. I'm like, what?
0: It was dictated into a phone, I think.
1: I think so, too. I think so,
0: too. Yeah, Stan Hope's one of those guys that I that me and him, I feel like are, you know, I go go out drinking with him. The two highest podcasts I've ever done is he came over and we drank at my house. And then had dinner with my family, and then did a podcast, and then drank again, and did another one, and then the one I went out to Bisbee. What do you drink? I drink anything. Oh yeah, yeah. You don't have a tequila, right? Uh, I tried to buy a vodka. I tried. To, it's one of the most complicated things I've ever done in my life, because uh, the the, uh, the machine story is what it's called. It's it would be my tater salad. I'm called the machine, and uh, so I tr- I thought pair up with a vodka company. Go into clubs. I move more more product in clubs than any comic working right now, booze-wise. Um, I almost reached out to you in Philly. I do a call-in-sick-to-work tour where I go in, do press, drink the press, and then go right to the club at like 10, 10 noon, in the, noon in the morning, and everyone calls in sick to work, and we do a show at noon, and they sell out everywhere. But if the the booze, we drink them out of booze before the show started. So I was literally going to go. I called my manager. I was like, reach out to Ron Weiss people. See if they want to send some of their tequila because... Everyone does shots in the room, and so we just tear through bottles of tequila. They're pretty big, but I drink everything. I'm not a scotch drinker. I know
1: you're a scotch drinker. No, I, I don't drink scotch anymore. Oh, really? Are you just don't tequila now? I drink anything but my extra and tequila. I think it's the best drink of liquor I've ever tasted. I, well, I'd love to try some sometime. How about now? I'm ready. Kim, <clears throat> would you bring a bottle of uh, extra Inejo and and a couple of shot glasses?
0: Next time I do a call and sick to work tour, I'll, I'll reach out to, I know you and Alex own it together. Mm-hmm. I'll reach out to one of you guys and have them send a case. And we'll, I will tear through. It's a, it's a big drinking show. Okay. But, um, so do, do people ever talk to you about your drinking? Do you ever do like, as I, as a big drinker, do, do people ever go, you know, Ron,
1: or do you ever think about it? My doctor, <laughs> my doctor right too. Up. Right. Uh, but yeah, you know, my wife brings it up every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, my mother doesn't bother me about it, but, uh, you know, she drinks too. Uh, she's 81, likes to party and get hammered and gamble. Thank you, dear. Well, those, just the glasses themselves are gorgeous.
0: So yeah, my cardiologist, uh, said to me, goes, uh, you know, I got some clients who are big drinkers he's like you know you know how this ends right i was like yeah
1: i get it it's gonna end it's either that or maybe another way you don't know about well there it is That's a three and a half years in a retired bourbon barrel nice uh we enter competitions with it all the time uh, with all three of our we have a blanco and a reposado and then that and uh that has never entered a competition without winning a gold medal not one time really well the bottle's beautiful and uh the uh what was it? Nexus Magazine, which is American Airlines Latin publication, did this gigantic thing on tequila. Hired, got every expert there is, and that was named one of the top five bottles of tequila in the world, and the only one under three hundred dollars in that list. Really, and that's seventy nine bucks.
0: That's seventy nine bucks. Now I know a little bit about trying to acquire uh, to sell liquor based on my meetings. The bottle is really nice. <laughs> it's a gorgeous bottle. It looks like uh, it looks like a. Uh... Like the the cut cactus, doesn't it? Yeah, the pina. Yeah. The
1: pina. Well, I'm going to try it. All right. Well, uh, just, uh, just give it a little sip Cheers. and t- don't forget to taste it.
0: That's really good. I could, I can't really like sip on tequila. I know it's it's
1: tough. You have to learn it. No, but that is <laughs>
0: that tastes like it's got. I guess I, it's the barrels I like. Cause I'm a big Jameson drinker. Yeah, I used to tour for Jameson. You know Billy Gardell, really well. Yeah, I used to tour with Billy. We used to be sponsored by Jameson.
1: No shit. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, everyone left that tour either sober, or uh, right. or, or, or worse for their wear.
1: <laughs> yeah, me and uh, me and Billy Gardell. Uh, carried tim wilson to his grave carried tim Tim wilson the comedian tim wilson
0: oh oh that's
1: right he died and billy and billy and i were paul bears bears at that uh at his funeral really do you think about mortality uh-uh no not much you know I i think they're gonna find a cure <laughs> before i get there <laughs> do we were you, were you brought up uh christian yeah and yeah um my uncle uh, is a guy named uh, Dr. Charles Pollard, who's a triple doctorate. He has doctorates in theology, psychology, and philosophy. And uh, and he was at one time the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, which is an amazingly powerful position to be in. And yeah. uh, and now they wouldn't let him mop the floors in a Baptist church if, <laughs> you know, because he started kind of. Going, okay, well, this isn't, that- <laughs> I don't buy this anymore. And, yeah. Uh, but he, 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 uh, so he had worked some of their big plants, you know, and, uh, uh, and, and he was funny and, and probably where I learned how to do stand up, you really? know, uh, and, and people say that I have his pace, you know, on stage that, you know, that relatives that have watched us both and, and, uh, and I love to go to church because my uncle was fun. I mean, he had always had a big youth group. We were always doing crazy shit. And, uh, he, he was, a uh, almost an Olympic wrestler. In, uh, he won state in Colorado, uh, at college level. So he was also a, a badass. not a big man, but you know, just impossible to beat at anything. Yeah. And, uh, but I just loved going to church and I, I was there every time you know, my uncle was, you know, if I was at, you know, I would spend summers with him and stuff like that. And, and then when we moved away <clears throat> and, um, uh, we got another preacher, uh, who was like a regular old preacher and I've hated church. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, didn't, uh, I couldn't wait till the day I could quit going and just, it wasn't the materials of uh, delivery you were a fan of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <it was> <laughs> it was a it was a weak presentation i'm like oh no what is this and he was just the the most drab borehole
0: so wait what was the what was the maturation of your material like how did you get to how did you get to where you are now where you really are kind of like a modern day storyteller like more more almost like uh like i guess in not as as campy as Andy Griffith, like he was, he, it was, his was a little more sing
1: songy, righty, but like, where did you, did you start with one liners and no, started with stories, just always stories. Yeah. I didn't know how to write a one liner. I, I just had, uh, when I was a kid, do you mind if I, no, please, yeah. please, please. When I was a little kid, uh, you know, 10 people could see a car wreck and, and, and I would tell the story, and it'd be funny. Yeah. And uh, so, as I, I, to this day, I uh, s- struggle with short-form comedy. Yeah, me too. Uh, so, I, I struggle with it, but I just don't do it. it that's not what my fans like. Well, it's not, it's not what they, I'm good at, either. They, 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 they like for me to tell stories. Now, once I write something out of my show, I quit doing it, and and I, which is kind of weird, but because I went to see... Uh, uh steve martin when uh i was 18 and i was in the navy in san diego and uh and he didn't do anything off let's get small except for excuse he said excuse me one time and uh and i liked it was a great show but i left going why didn't he do anything off if i I wanted to see him do it and and uh, and now i'm Been doing this thirty years. I've I've headlined the same room that, uh, or you know, did a show the same room. I saw him in, and many times, and uh, and I won't do it. I won't do it either. I I just I can't because there is no such thing as a hit joke. If you know the joke, you know the joke, and especially that one. Because if I start it, they'll scream like crazy, and then I got to drag them through an eight-minute-long bit. They already know. So they're not going to respond to it the way I want them to respond to it. And the only way to get what I want out of the deal is to do another bit. So you want the freshness of it. I, I want the response. Yeah. You know, I, want, I, want, not I want, the I not want, I want what gets me off. Yeah. I don't want the cheers. I, I hate a clappy crowd or a hooty crowd or, yeah. you know, I just want listen and respond. And however you, you know, your natural response of it, of it is, but, but if you've already heard it, I'm not going to like your response.
0: It's so funny. You know, I, 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 I'm, in the same boat where I've been telling the same story and I can't get away from it, but I'm not you. So I'm I and I you know, I just told her on my Showtime special and I feel like I'll tell it for the last time there. But uh but I I don't I <laughs> that better be uh Brian Johnson.
1: <laughs> yeah. Good he's a good buddy of Yeah, I know. <laughs> wow, huh?
0: I don't know who that is. <laughs> but uh, but but I I and and I say this in all honesty of be, in being in the same boat of having a story that's popular that people are cheer, yelling out and know the ending too. Right. I would want to hear you tell the Tater Salad story. If I went and saw you live, I would literally like you know, it, and I'll I'll break down the story of why why I believe it's so brilliant. And me and you know Ari Shafir? you just did his storytelling show. Yeah, yeah. Ari and I are uh, big. Big, love to have lunch and break down things the the line that where you say i only told you this story to tell you this story right that's the fucking that's the shuck. that's the juke that's where i didn't see it coming and every story needs a great ending and that story ends so perfectly i'd almost like to i'd almost like I, and, and, and i don't like to, I, I i'm tired of telling my story but i but i as a fan I would I'd pay an extra hundred dollars if I knew that you'd tell the story. Isn't that interesting?
1: Well, I tell you what I'll do. I'll give you permission to do it yourself. And uh, <laughs> you <laughs> learn it, go take it on stage, <laughs> do it as a tribute. I would love it if you would. Now I actually did it at uh last year at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Uh because my, you know, just people have been just uh, you know, they've just even my, even my camp and my friends and they're like, come on, Ron, you're in New York. You haven't done it in 12 years. Nobody's going to expect it. And, uh, so, and, uh, and Margo, my wife saying uh, her, not her band, but she had a, like a three piece band and, uh, she just shook the play. So yeah. you, you got to hear Margo sing sometimes. I follow her on Instagram. Oh, yo, yo, yo. yeah. I, I, uh, just randomly.
0: I, I know who Alex is of uh, just being, being a up. And when I heard that you guys were together, I immediately was like, "I wonder what Alex's sister looks like." And then I checked out her Instagram and I saw a picture. I think of you guys in Hawaii, and I just followed her and I, I just,
1: just a you know, well, that live voice is uh, uh, she can shove you with it. Yeah, that's how much power it has. She's a four and a half octave classically trained opera singer, singing jazz or whatever the fuck she wants to. No,
0: you always were you always into music growing up.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, rock and roll. I'm I'm from Houston, so you know, I I I grew up listening to great guitar work. You know, with the Billy Gibbons and Dickie Betts, and they used to party down on Sunset. Who? Billy Gibbons? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. I used to have it. my first
0: TV show. He was friends with one of the producers, and we'd go down to uh, the Mexican restaurant on Sunset, across from guitar the Guitar Place, and he would be there all the time, and I would fucking freak out. Yeah.
1: I I knew him because I was in rehab with uh, <laughs> with uh, Frank Beard, the drummer, and so I just met him a few times. I we went to see him last year. Yeah, up in Paso Robo's or whatever it is, and and it was fun. I had a great time. Now, when you were partying, yeah, I, I remember
0: hearing you tell this, and I don't know where I heard you tell this. You were partying real hard when you were in Hawaii, was it, or was it San Diego, and you had to go to rehab, court appointed, I think maybe.
1: I was partying really hard anyway, and I and I I got busted in a random uh, piss test. But we were in Japan, so then I got flown back to San Diego in a plane with no windows, strapped to a gurney, and uh, after being eight days in a padded cell and. Iwakuni, Japan, stopped in Guam to refuel. And you're still in the bed. Still strapped to a gurney. I'm like, what do you think I'm going to do?
0: Holy shit. uh, When you you pissed positive, did you know you were like, ah, you got me. Did you realize the repercussion of, fuck, I'm getting strapped in and I'm getting sent home? in a girl that's fine fo- that would i'm having a panic attack thinking about it
1: i knew it wasn't gonna be good <laughs> uh, so and then they also I, I had bought a motorcycle over there and it was down in the hold and and uh and there was a bunch of tie sticks stuck in the tires inside the tires and that eventually came out and and uh um, uh, but yeah, it was just trouble and yeah, but so I got, yeah, they, I guy was discharged from the Naval Drug Rehabilitation Center in Miramar, California. The, the, when I was with Frank, that was a few years ago and that was court appointed. That was in Houston. Okay. And then, and then how did I you... had a hard time finding my way. is hard. That's what yeah, I'm but, to say.
0: but what's, what's interesting. And I don't, I don't know if, do you know who Joey Diaz is? Yeah. Uh, like I Joey's him last night. Yeah. Joey's one of those guys that has partied and, and, and gone to the furthest end, but still parties. And I always, I always wonder about that, that journey of like, of like going through rehab, I guess, technically getting corner pointed sober, but then sliding back in and doing the road. And I'm, I'm certain if you, there had to be nights on the road where Coke po- po-
1: pops out. Uh, it wasn't Coke. It was, I was shooting dope, you know, uh, I was a, I was a big needle freak when I was a young man. Really? Uh, yeah. And, uh, started doing that in the Navy. And, uh, but when I got out, it got, it got even worse. And, uh, you know, three times a day, I was shooting dope. So I needed to be in rehab and I haven't done it since. I, I've stayed yeah. sober for two and a half years and then started drinking and smoking pot again, but I never went back to that. And, and quite frankly, never ended up with much of a Coke problem. Really? Uh, no, not mm-hmm. really. I, I, I like, uh, you know, I just don't like to get, I just don't like to get revved up, you know, too yeah. much. I, I, I mean, I did buckets of it you know but but it didn't have the same grip on me that uh, other drugs did
0: so when you so so that that's always fascinating i always i like joey you know had his problems with substances but still just i don't know if you've ever watched his periscope they're fucking epic he smokes bowls after bowls after bowls in the morning on periscope
1: oh no i i i, I, I have no i'll i'll do it though I, I i periscope every once in a while
0: yeah i have senior periscopes yeah you have seniors i no, so now i'm looking at your joke board when you write when you work on a bit are you are you taking the guys on tour with you are you guys brainstorming them in the in the tour bus are you doing it all by yourself are you like how, what's your process now of writing are there stories like the one i mean as just as a as a Pedestrian, I go. I'd love to. I'd love to hear more about getting kicked out of the army or the navy. Like, how do you work your
1: bits? Well, the uh, what's on the board in there is just a, a kind of a at a glance the current set that I'm doing. Uh, so those are just notes that I can look at and remember what I'm up to. Okay. And uh, and and also before I go down, because I never write anything down. I don't have a notebook, so. Uh, you'll notice these are all roadie scripts. There, there's no yeah. notebook. I'm not a writer. I, like, I don't, I don't, pen
0: to paper doesn't, it, I need to figure it out.
1: Now, I re- I, I record all the big shows and, uh, but anyway, it's, uh, I write, I have a, uh, I write with a guy named Rick Kearns a lot. Uh, do you know Rick? No. Uh, Denver comic, really, really funny, really self-destructive. Uh, he, not now, he's doing really well, uh, but. Yeah, he went to prison in Alabama or something, and and then uh, and just a, I mean, just a guy that would just drink. Even, I mean, if if you got me shaking here in my head, you know, <laughs> you're, you're drinking some fucking booze. So then he he fucking runs into twelve cars. Hits twelve parked cars at two thirty in the afternoon, and it's his fourth DWI.
0: Holy shit. So, like
1: he's gone. He's going to go to prison and uh but his health his general health was so bad that they didn't want to put him in prison. So they just locked him up in his house with an ankle bracelet. And uh and he, he's a friend of mine. But boy, you know he's a small dose friend. You know, he's just a he's a crazy bird. He's a crazy person. Comic as well, yeah, right? Comic. Yeah. Oh, a yeah. brilliant comic. Yeah. A uh, really really good comic. And uh so you know we were talking one day and he was telling me all this shit what's going on with him and i said well look i'm writing some stuff right now well let me run it through you you know you can punch it up or whatever or if you don't see anything tell me you don't see anything yeah you know so you know see so he and i do that and uh and he's doing way better you know he's got his uh, ankle thing off and uh found a solution for his sleep apnea and he's been sober for a couple of years and you know and he needed it do you tour with him uh, no, uh-uh. he doesn't. He doesn't open for me. Oh, yeah. He, we, I got enough, you know, guys my age, overweight guys in their 50s in the, in the show. We oh, won. yeah. That's all we need. <laughs> How no, do you- Alex opened some shows for me. Doug, St- uh, Doug, Stam- uh, I say that he had no, uh, uh, what's his name? Josh Blue opened some shows. You know, Josh? Yeah, I know Josh. Yeah. He's hilarious. There's your pot smoker right there. <laughs> I
0: watched you guys on Getting Dug with High. Getting Dug with High was one of is one of my favorite podcasts. Really?
1: I uh I I thought it was fun, but I mean it, but I'm a way better guest if I'm not completely baked. Well that's you know Which I brought up that. I mean I don't know if you've heard ours, but No, 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 no. you drawing the analogy of legalization
0: of marijuana to people making surfboards was the funniest thing because I was caught on. I was like, fucking surfboards. And you're like, maybe I shouldn't have used surfboards. But that's what that podcast is. <laughs> it's just pe- – because there's no agenda. Right? There's nothing there. There's and, and it's it's the the beauty of what I think podcasting is. Now, this one I'm loaded because I'm going in knowing a lot more about you than I would an average guest. But uh, but I think my fans will be like – they I think they – passion begets passion you know i'm a passionate comic i'm passionate about comedy and i think you're one of those guys that really kind of carved his own path i think it made people like that guy williams uncomfortable because you can't put a finger on it you can't stop it but you don't have a bad reputation you don't at all like i said something about you to judy brown uh, marmel and she was like one of the greatest guys in the world. I walked, I said something about you at the store. And they said, I don't know. I want to say it was Al Madrigal was like, can I tell you what's amazing? He got the light and he got off. He didn't have to. He's a comic. Like, like you were doing a set in the original room and you got the light. And you're like, oh, that's my time and got off. And everyone's like, that's unheard of that a comic that big would be like, I'll respect
1: the business. Right. Well, you know, I call in for my sets too. You know, like everybody else does. Yeah. So, uh, so they're not bumping, you know, young comics, just because I decided to wake up and go down there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm going up tonight. So, uh, and uh, and and Doug's going up too. Uh, I mean, he's not going to go on stage because he doesn't he's gonna have a to go show. party. He's going to come up and drink with me. And, yeah. Uh, so uh, you ought to come up. I know you got the kids, but
0: uh, I'm gonna, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to straddle the fence of the road. And the lifestyle with being like a real, and I my shows are on Travel Channel, so I travel for those like half the year, and I'm gone, gone. So I'm, I, I when I'm home, I try to be home. But if uh, if you guys would be down there for the cocktail, I might come down
1: and say hi. I might have to do that. Uh, we turned it into a fun time last night that ended up here till the wee the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, how what's it like? What's it
0: like bringing? Does your son go on the road with you?
1: Uh, he did. I, I fired him for being too much like me. Uh, and he, he is too. He's is he, Yeah. Uh, ex- you know, except he's real smart <laughs> and, uh, uh, that's the only difference. You know, he likes to party. He's 25. He's one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah. And, uh, but I don't really think he's all that great an employee.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's an interesting question is like parenting as, uh, parenting as a guy who lived on lived out of the box his it, it must have been an interesting skill set you gave him to survive with you know
1: well he helped, he also had an amazing mother and uh, an amazing stepfather yeah who uh yeah
0: i heard you talk really kindly
1: about him yeah yeah that's that's pretty impressive well that could be the bane you know of your existence if the, the guy that's living in the house with your child is a dickhead yeah. and, uh, you know, and, uh, Terry Line is a fine human being, just a great guy. Wow. And I was lucky, lucky to have him.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I mean, we've done about an hour. Um, I could say I literally could sit with you forever, but, uh, but what, uh, what's something that you, that you, you haven't done that you want to do? I want to. I have one more question too. But yeah, what's what is something that you want to
1: do? I want to beat the Cheesecake Factory to Cuba. That's what I want to do. I want to get to Cuba before the Cheesecake Factory gets there. Yeah, that's what I want to do. That's the only thing on my bucket list: is get to Cuba before the Cheesecake Factory.
0: Oh no! The the last question, I guess. I mean, and I think I will have covered just about everything. Uh, but. I'm int- the one thing I'm really fascinated by is uh, you were in comedy in the late 80s, early 90s, doing the road aggressively. Yeah. Um, you grew up in Texas. You're 59, Nine. 59 yeah. years old. So you grew up in a world where political correctness just didn't exist. But And then you, you were touring comics. You were a touring comic when you, you could make a, a gay joke or like you know during that time. And you've kind of seen where political correctness is taking us now. Sure. Sorry. I'll That's
1: okay. No, don't worry about it. Well, yeah. Uh, same thing. Same number. So they must really want to talk to me. You need to get it. I, yeah, I just turned off the ringer. Um, the problem so, will work itself out. So,
0: <laughs> so where do you like? How do you? How do you see this pro- political correctness? The cisgendered, uh, trans like you almost were like (coughs) verbiage in general is precarious. Anything you say is kind of like can be taken apart. Yeah.
1: Well, it doesn't really apply to me, you know, because my, I'm performing for my fans Yeah. and my fans are not politically correct. And they, (laughs) they, you know, they kind of know what to expect. You know, they're, you know, I'm going to say what I want to say when I want to say it. And, and they know that. And, and uh, if they weren't fans, they wouldn't have bought the ticket. So they're not cheap. And, and, uh, you know, and when I go down to the clubs, I really don't care about the response uh and I'll fuck with them about it and uh and, it's, and that's kind of fun just to make fun of them for being such fucking shit hooks and you know and uh but uh, but I don't really care I mean, I hear Seinfeld you know talking about it and about it. You can't hardly go do the colleges. I'm like, you know, <laughs> perform for people your own age, man. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't. So that, that's why I don't have that experience. But I'm, I would imagine if you went around to doing colleges that, uh, you know, that you would run into it, I guess. Well, yeah. Why do colleges? I, you know, I ran into it with soldiers because I would go around the bases and do shows for soldiers. And, and I did some, uh, stuff about, uh, 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 Something that was about profiling, and uh, about you know, I don't know if you remember the bit about uh, the the warning system in the country, and I, if I was going to have president. I have two warning systems. Go, go find a helmet. Put on the fucking helmet. And yeah. <laughs> uh, profiling with my mother saying, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, well, if the guy in front of you is wearing a turban or has seven H's in his name and a basket of Cobras, yeah. check his shoes, refuses or whatever. But they wouldn't laugh at it. I mean, they they were drilled to be politically correct especially about that or maybe they drilled not to appear racist uh, <laughs> never mind i was wrong about it they were actually right i was wrong okay i got you I'm back. I'm back. Uh, <laughs> well that uh i mean i
0: i uh i gotta thank you for doing this i it, for sitting down with me for an hour it means a great deal I, like i said i don't think that uh you know Joe Rogan is one of the bigger influences. I told him that one story uh that one story about me getting
1: involved with the mafia and he was like you got to tell it on stage. And he did that to me 2 days ago. Did he really? Yeah, cuz I told him a story about uh uh you know, I'm a, a gold star heterosexual. I've never had any kind of sexual activity with a dude. <laughs> and uh, when I was in the navy, at eighteen, I'd only had one sexual experience ever, and it was with a, a girl in Tijuana, whose teeth had no general direction or color; they just went everywhere. <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh fuck!" This is horrible. I felt bad about it when I left. I was like, "Oh," and uh, but I got down to Hotel Street, and these really cute girls would blow you for five bucks. And uh, and I'm I'm 18. That's about a 45 second journey. Yeah. Uh, for the uh, uh. and I, I'm going down there twice a day. And so, a couple of years ago, I was watching a documentary <laughs> about the transvestites on Hotel Street for 40 years, where they were at. I'm like, those were dudes. I let 150 fucking dudes suck my dick. I'm going to lose my status. And uh, so I told Joe that. And he laughed really hard. He goes, you do that on stage? I'm like, no, uh-uh. uh-huh. He goes, you're a pussy, dude. If you don't do it tomorrow night, and I did. I'm like, all right, yeah. well, I don't want Joe calling me a pussy. It's the best
0: thing. he. I, uh, I, I, I said something on stage the other night, and he pulled me aside. He goes, if that's not a bit, that better be one. And I lo- those, those kind of people in your life are like, they, they lead
1: you down the right, they lead you out to see the right way. I'm just now kind of getting to know him, and uh, and and I have love you done him, his podcast? No, uh, he, oh. we're gonna do it. I'm gonna do it uh, right before Roadies comes out. <sighs> that's gonna be a good fucking podcast. He, yeah, he he. Uh, that's what that's what he suggested. The, the list, let's uh, let's let's save it for uh, right before the premiere.
0: Oh yeah, that that podcast, June
1: 26th, by the way, June 26th, 10 o'clock. Yeah, right.
0: I'll mention it on my podcast. Good and uh, and yeah, and the, those the Rogan's one of those guys that he's very selfless about. Comedy. He wants you to be the funniest guy you could be, and 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 and, I'm, and I. I'll say it again, but when he told me to tell that story, there was no roadmap on how to tell a fifteen. Mine's a twelve-minute story. There was no roadmap on how to tell that, and I literally I looked at like probably a handful of people. You, Chris Titus, uh, like I looked at old Andy Griffith stories. And I looked at. I, I literally went through the list, and I was like, uh, I was like, okay, I gotta, you know, you you watch how the greats do it, and then you figure out your own path and uh and so yeah I, i'm grateful that my wife brought me to see the blue collar comedy tour and i'm grateful that you guys got up at the end and you told that fucking story it was like the perfect surprise
1: yeah I, you know that was all jeff's you know the whole thing was jeff's idea and and uh i mean we were just uh, we we actually stole the idea from from some black guys and, uh, the uh the, uh what we did <laughs> But the, the kings of comedy was, you know, hugely successful. And so, you know, we, we know that there's another big population of people that that aren't going to get that comedy. Not that that's not important comedy. It's just as important. Yeah. And it was and it was great, too. And, I, you know, I still I admire all those guys They were just amazing entertainers. But you guys,
0: you guys took off so globally different. I mean, every single one of you blew the fuck up. Like, with yeah. those guys, Cedric did good. Bernie Mac did his own thing, it felt like. You know, like, like Steve Hart. Like, it seemed like everyone separated. You guys still have this almost like a connection. You can't say Larry without, or, or Dan without your name with Jeff. And, you know, it's like such an interesting fraternity.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's also something I'm real proud of. You know, I, uh, I, I don't know where I'd be without it. You know, I really don't. I, I, Do you but ever I, think about that? I doubt here.
0: Do you ever think about that? Like
1: where like yeah. I do I used to do a couple things. When I'd start feeling sorry for myself on the road, I'd get out a newspaper and find out what I'm worth in the real job market. And uh when which is nothing almost. Almost nothing. <laughs> uh, I like to smoke weed and drink and all day. And uh, you know, there, there's no room for me in the real job market. Well uh but That dog is sound asleep. Oh jeez. She just got off chemotherapy, but Foxworthy. The first time he told me about this, we were flying on a private jet that he had leased, and and uh, he, uh, he he tells me that what we're going to do. Well, Ingval was touring with another guy. It wasn't Dan. It was a uh, uh, I've heard the guy's name yeah, and was a really good comic. Uh, he said we're going to combine the two tours and do uh, and uh, we're going to do big venues and uh, and. I said that's retarded. That that, that was my comment. <laughs> yeah. That was my that's that's what a seer I am. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, but yeah, I think about it, you know. Where would I be without those boys, you know?
0: That's crazy. where would they, where I I think it was one of those things where it was the perfect mix.
1: It was, you know, we we traded uh Hawksley for Dan and uh and if we wouldn't have who knows, you know, because I I think you're right. I think it was all four of us and and uh, I run into people all the time that will say, you know, one of us is their favorite, and it's different all the time, you know. So there was something there for everybody, and and uh, uh, you know, I can't ex- explain the success of it other than that. And and uh, we were friends then, and we're friends now, so that's cool. And uh, and they all fired that dipshit, so I can, you know, now we can all talk bad about him. Yeah, so it gives us something to talk about.
0: Well, oh, I love it. I love it because it, you know, as a road guy and as a guy who, you know, and, and we know the same names of guys that still work the road and, and may never get out of the road. But the, you know, the, the, oh, I'd, I'd say lottery ticket, but that's the way this business works sometimes is being at the right place at the right time with the right skill set and, right. and the right, the
1: right ability. Yeah. That, that was really the, and I kind of saw this lining up was, uh, because i'm like i'm about to get famous burning 10 minutes of material and then that story that you can't ask for more than that because That's all you did in that show was 10 minutes ten minutes in blue collar one 10 minutes set and then 18 minutes the whole thing holy shit and i'm like so i've got a full-blown act that i've been working on for 16 years that is off the fucking hook. I mean, that's the that's the one that sold the millions of copies. You are literally set up to succeed oh. in droves, in droves, and I and I'm I'm ready to back it up. So uh, with a show that they won't fucking believe, and I've been working. I'm doing nine shows a week for sixteen years. And, Holy uh, shit. I'm, and I'm gonna go beat the fuck out of them, and I did too. So that's that that's the difference between you know somebody come out here and get popular some way, and and then. Back it up with what? You know, what are you going to do now? Hot shot? You yeah. Know. So I've always let my stuff stay on the vine for a long time. I've never put out specials fast. I've always put them out slow. Like I'm not like Louis uh, C.K. and uh, Who puts out every year. Carl and put one out every year. I'm like, I just have to let it sit on the vine. Because they're stories and they get better, you know? Yeah. And uh, because I, 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 they start off. I mean, that's a, that's the beginning of a story that I just told you. Now, I don't have a punchline for it, but it's funny, right? So right. eventually, I'll grow that into some kind of a sled ride, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll hop on. So it's... Uh, but for now, you know that's 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 kind of where it starts, you know. And now, why I skipped that story for all those years, I probably didn't want to talk about dudes sucking my dick. So <laughs> but you know, you spend a couple, you read Stanhope's book, and sp- you, know, so you know, you're like, okay, we're being that honest. All right, dude. you go. Okay, 150 guys blew me. All right. <laughs>
0: I just love that visual of a young Ron White, money in hand, walking back to the line. What's up, ladies? Yeah. <laughs> like it's just
1: all right. I had a. I wonder why she won't let me touch her pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I had a story. Uh, I
0: had a story about uh, that I told on Joe's podcast a year, probably three years ago, about uh, going to a set live section in Amsterdam, It's a flying dildo show, and it was it's a funny story, but it just didn't work. It for some reason, you know, like you said. I could, yeah, I could tell it on an hour special. It just wouldn't be great. And then I told some small detail of the story on one of those. Have you ever done um, those news set shows where you go up with no material? They they do them in the belly room.
1: Uh, yeah, I have. I I, I, I did one at the Laugh Factory. That um, and uh, and then the uh, the one that uh, the the. Uh, that I did the story show what was it, with Art- Ari, Ari Shafir. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, neither one of those stories had ever been told on stage. Really? No, that's why they weren't very funny. <laughs> but, oh,
0: I'm, I already said but you were I, fantastic. But,
1: but I thought that's what they wanted, you know, just to go up there and tell a story that, that not something that was developed. Well, they wanted it to be raw. Yeah.
0: And I and I think that's the, the premise is rawness. And I, And I think some comics who maybe don't have the confidence in their storytelling or don't have the confidence on
1: stage go up and do material. Those are kind of weak. You know the I tell you what would make a funny show uh, episode of that is for him to have me and my mother on it uh, my mother I'm almost certain Ari would st- green like that today. <laughs> my mother is a stitch, really, yeah, oh she's hilarious and uh and likes to drink and and gamble and have fun and and uh has Ron white stories that nobody else has and really, and she's a ham and you know she. I take her to award shows with me whenever I do, you know, country awards or whatever, and I always take her out on stage, and and uh, and they, fans love that shit that I love my mother. You
0: know? <laughs> I love, I love that you, I love that you know that you're that 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 is that. I love that you see that. I love that you can that you're. It's almost the jaded part of being a comic is that you can't help but be honest. I'm not going to fucking lie to you. You know, right? Like I love that.
1: Well. Yeah. On one of, and I do got to go because I got a guy upstairs waiting. Yeah, up yeah, yeah, all. yeah. Uh, there was a the one in Vegas that I was doing, and uh, and this producer guy or director, I guess he was, and uh, I said, "Hey, I want to, I want to have my mom uh, go out there with me." And he goes, uh, "Yeah, we're not going to do that, Ron." I said, "Okay, well, I'll see you next time." And he goes, "What?" I said, "I'm going to go out there with my mother." He goes, "Well, what does your mother do?" I said, she's my goddamn mother. <laughs> he goes, well, okay, but you, you have to stick to the script. And I said, okay, here's something else I'm going to talk to you about. I'm not going to say a word of that because it's not funny. A country act can go out there and be not funny because he's not supposed to be funny. I can't say these words. I've got to do it myself. Yeah. And he goes, well, I have to approve it. So I wrote something that he would approve. And then he, we were we were uh, breakthrough artist of the year. So m- me and mother went out. And of course, they go nuts. And and then we have uh, one. And then we move over to another microphone to announce. And uh, and uh, I go and the breakthrough artist of the year is. And I hand the card to mother, and she goes, The Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> and, and everybody died laughing. Even the guy that uh, that won the thing was yeah. you know, thought it was funny. And I come back, and the guy vibed me. He, oh, my like, fuck you. <laughs> Who gives a fuck about you? Oh, not me. <laughs> but anyway, hey, man, thanks for doing hey, this. Thank and, you. And, and great to meet you. Come out tonight. It's good to meet F- you. Maybe, F- F- I'll, F- I'll, maybe I'll come over and have a drink with you guys. Well, yeah, we'll be friends. We'll start dating.
0: All right, I like that. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.